What if our capacity to imagine has been so badly damaged by the information climate of our times that destruction is all we can see? What if deforming our ability to imagine the present is precisely what governments and power structures do to control us? And what if I told you we have the power to change this? I believe we do. To seize this power requires a radical change in perspective, however. To do so, we need to take one tool being vandalized before our very eyes, language, and reclaim it and redefine what it means to be an ethical citizen in the present moment. Those words were from The Dictionary of the Undoing by John Freeman. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the next episode of my sub-podcast, Words for Now and Later. And if you've not listened to this before, I recommend you go back to the very first episode, A for Agitate, and um, learn a little bit about what I am doing here in these podcasts We're now up to letter F for fair. And Mr. Freeman says on page 35 in his book, fairness is the glass that never allows you to look at another without seeing yourself. A society moving towards tyranny sees only in one direction toward the ruling class, the powerful or just one man. Everyone knows this is unfair and this kind of unfairness rampant and unchecked creates apathy in citizens. Continuing on page 36, we gauge, we gaze at our political and powerful leaders. In this way, they become gods, not in that they are eternal, but that they are living outside the rules of mere mortals and of fairness. A little further in the short chapter on F is for fair, page 38, we know that inequality feels miserable that riches enjoyed in the presence of suffering or spoils, and that suffering when great wealth is being piled up all around us feels even more like misery. Continuing on page 38, if we are ever to change such things, we need help remaking the world fair. The word fair. We cannot do it alone. So I'll pause here for a second just to let all those words sink in. And In a moment, I am going to um, comment on what is going on right now in our nation and something that I even participated in on um, Saturday, and that is the large outcry and protest and really uprising against white supremacy, against police brutality, against racism and racial injustice in this country. But before I comment on that, I want to use um, an image that Mr. Freeman uses in uh, this chapter that I think is more apt today, probably than even when he wrote it. Um, Again, this book was written before the pandemic period in which we live, but I think he was really on to something. And what I'm trying to do in this podcast is take his words and interpret them and see through the lens of this period where we are right now and to see what they can teach us going forward as we seek to build a better world, build a more just nation, build a cooler planet as we face this climate emergency, how we go forward. So he uses an example saying that when they were testing the nuclear bomb in the Southwest in Arizona, they realized that the heat of that explosion made the sands, the white sands of New Mexico, into glass. That it takes 
this tremendous heat that will make glass. And glass, which is a pretty amazing thing, can only be made under tremendous heat. And um, I witnessed this myself uh, a few years ago when we were at the Corning Glass Museum in um, the southern tier of New York. And um, I'd never really been around glass blowing before, and that, that's a big part of this museum, shows and um, opportunities for the visitors to actually um, experience what it's like to see and utilize the molten glass, the bulb that is on the end of literally a, um, a tube into which someone blows. And I was so amazed at how um, hot and glowing, I didn't touch it of course, but I could look at it, that bulb of molten glass is and how pliable it is when a skilled person blows into it because what they do is as they're blowing, they're also shaping it. They're using heat resistant tongs and, and other um, tools to shape and mold. And, and you can witness in these shows this bulb of molten glass turning into something quite remarkable, uh, something unexpected that can come out of that. So Mr. Freeman, keeping that image in mind of the molten blown glass, he says, societies and fairness are like, they settle like silt into patterns of unfairness. And then a superheated rupture needs to occur for them to create fairness again. Sometimes that heat is made by protest. Sometimes it is made by trauma. In the best of times, it is made by debate, by the friction of concepts rubbing up against one another in an open space, creating an intense fire by a positive agitation. I'm going to pause right there. If you stay with me through this short break, we'll return. And I think how we apply that, what I just read, is, is, pretty, is pretty interesting and pretty clear. So stick with me through this break. Thank you. Thank you for staying with me through the break. I want to um, go back to that quote that I just read and um, highlight how I think it is possibly prophetic um, because it is describing what we are in right now. And I think as such, it, it helps to give some context to this moment and also to the potential that lies in this moment. So again, that image of the molten blob of superheated um, sand that is, um, as I described, and I'll put some photos of this and maybe a video or two on my website, which is uh, my blog site, which is edtechemergent.com. Please visit that as there are uh, more resources there related to this episode and, um, and photos and so forth. But again, that superheated uh, blob of glass, it is a rupture. I like that word. I think that's an important word. And what Mr. Freeman is saying is that in the best of times, this is the second part of the quote, this um, change, this um, taking of this silt and the patterns of unfairness that a society has settled into, that you want to have debate made by the friction of concepts rubbing up against one another, creating an intense fire within an open space. Now, the problem, dear listener, is that we don't have that space anymore. We have social media, we have 
all sorts of channels to broadcast messages, but what are we broadcasting? The two sides are so in, ingrained and so um, hung up and focused on the lack of unity, of course. But the fact is we can't even agree on facts anymore. And I, I, I don't think it's equal on both sides. I, I think you have a president of the United States who got to his position by claiming without facts that the last president of the United States was not an American citizen and therefore should not have been president. Don't forget that Donald Trump was one of the leading birthers, as they were called. Lots of evidence and, and history to show the truth of that. And from the day he got into office, he was spinning facts and lying about numbers and fraud and all sorts of things. So he has created and his enablers have created this environment where we can't talk openly because one side does not even agree on what the basic facts are that science tells us about the coronavirus, that economics tell us, that mere <laughs> photographs of numbers of people at his inauguration tell us. So dialogue and space has broken down. And it's not a both sides do it kind of thing because one side, clearly it is evidence about how that has been manipulated and used that has created a place where people cannot speak anymore. So as Mr. Freeman says, what has to happen? Well, you get protests. The heat is made by protest. Sometimes it is made by trauma. And dear listener, you know, we're living in the midst of both of those. Let's start with the trauma. We are living in a time, we just passed 103,000 deaths. That is traumatic as a whole, as a nation, and to individual families and communities. Unemployment has reached close to 25% of America, and there is no end to that in sight. And we have um, this economic injustice that has been there, and this is exposing that. Now we have the protests. First, we had protests on the right, small protests, um, and that got attention. And now we have these much larger protests that are coming out of anger and frustration at the long simmering injustice that this nation has had that was crystallized for the world to see in that agonizing and absolutely despicable scene in Minnesota with the cop on George Floyd's neck. So we find ourselves, I think, at a critical moment, but I'm hopeful for three reasons. I was down at the state house in Columbus where I live on Saturday and the protesters that I was with who were peaceful until quite frankly, the police instigated the incident that, um, led to the tear gassing of even our U.S. representative, Joyce Beatty. The protesters were, number one, overwhelmingly young, which was so encouraging. Many protests I've been to have been older folks, and that's great. But for a movement to be sustained, for a movement to move forward, it has to be done by the young. And they were out there in force on Saturday. Number two, they were overwhelmingly white. And... Um, that was encouraging because it is long past the time for white people 
like myself to stand up against the racial injustice that we see in our communities, in our schools, in our nation. And that was happening on um, on Saturday. I witnessed that. And it was my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, who um, came down with me and we were down there. And that was so encouraging. And she saw friends and I saw former students of mine, young graduates from college now. And uh, that was so wonderful and so encouraging to see. And lastly, and this is important to, to know, because I'm already hearing talk about, well, you know, will these protests start a second round of coronavirus? And I hope and pray that doesn't happen. And I fear that the ones who will use propaganda and manipulation to try to disparage and shame these protesters who are taking their First Amendment rights to the street say, well, you know, look, they endangered the rest of us by, you know, making this outbreak. And again, I hope and pray that outbreak doesn't happen. But I will tell you as a witness, and my photos show this, that the vast majority of protesters that I was with on Saturday were masked, wearing appropriate face coverings and actually wearing them, not just around their necks or symbolically, they were wearing them. And Compare that to the protests that we saw by right-wing extremists at state houses, the very state house that I was at, and how they flaunted no masks and flaunted weapons, uh, open carry weapons. And I didn't see that flaunting of safety, that flaunting of the common good with masks on Saturday. So I close this again with that image that is, I think, a good one for now, that molten glass. And what is going to happen next? Nobody knows. If anything, this pandemic has taught us that we don't know what will happen. I do hope and pray that the violence will calm and quiet. I don't support violence. I will not take too violent action. That is against everything that I stand for. I do, though, understand where that impulse is coming from, because violence is a last resort when a people are oppressed, when a people are feeling disempowered, when they feel that there is a void of leadership. And what a symbolic image of the lights out at the White House the other day as the president hid in the basement in a bunker. What a symbolic uh, image when people feel that they have no voice, sadly and tragically violence is quite frankly, a logical response. So I hope and pray for this moment that it can be a moment where that molten glass is constructed into something new and just and fair and beautiful and godly and the kingdom of God and grace-filled. But as we've learned, things don't always happen like we hope and pray these days. We have to work for them. We have to go out there. We have to know that there is no peace without justice. That's what my daughter wrote on her sign as she um, carried it on Saturday. I was very proud of her that she came up, decided on that slogan. So, dear listener, where are you in the midst of this? How do you feel? What are you doing at this moment? What are you doing to make a difference, to hopefully work for justice, to hopefully work for that peace to hopefully work for racial justice and climate justice. Don't forget, the two are connected. Thank you so much for listening. Blessings and let's work for peace today.